Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. the Explaining History podcast, and the thing that I'm going to talk about today is the use of foreign workers in the Third Reich during the Second World War, uh, both coerced and supposedly voluntary. Hitler, during the 1930s, and particularly at the Hossbach Conference in 1937, had been quite explicit uh, about the fact that he wanted uh, a war of plunder. By the way, I have to make something of a mere culprit about the Hossbach conference. Uh, I mentioned it a few weeks ago, and I said mistakenly that Ribbentrop was at the conference. As we all know, he wasn't. It was Konstantin von Neurath, the foreign minister. So I put my hands up. Anyway, the war that Hitler had uh, planned was designed to resolve uh, Germany's uh, almost... Uh, intractable economic problems um, throughout the uh, 1920s and 30s, as it's experienced, by giving the economy uh, additional um, capacity via plunder. Now, much of this came from uh, the raw materials that could be uh, appropriated, such as French coal or um, extracted from um, plant allies, such as Romanian oil, But manpower, uh, labour, was also one of the raw materials that uh, Europe could offer the Third Reich. And this enabled uh, the Third Reich to, A, continue operating economically when in excess of 10 million soldiers were fighting, and B, um, afford uh, Hitler uh, the uh, option of not using large numbers, large amounts of female labour. The German war machine, um, the German war industry, had really had something of a shaky start. Um, it was the German um, war industries weren't ready in 1939, and by 1941, under the leadership of uh, Hitler's favourite um, SS road-building engineer, um, Fritz Toad, um, the uh, a situation of almost chaos reigned. When Toad um, died mysteriously in early 1942 and his shoes were filled by Albert Speer, 
Speer on a journey through the German uh, arms manufacturing industry, uh, found factories that were closed, factories that uh, lay idle. He found um, uh, parts for trucks being duplicated in all sorts of different factories and far too many different kinds of trucks, tanks, um, half-tracks, light aircraft, this kind of thing. Uh, an unnecessary uh, uh, variety. And uh, the Speer uh, phase of rationalisation of the war industries uh, meant that uh, significantly greater amounts of arms and munitions uh, were produced. But um, by, the, by 1943, uh, there is no way that the productive power of the British Empire, the Soviet Union and the USA altogether could even be remotely thought to have been eclipsed. But much of this rationalisation um, and this, this new uh, level of uh, munitions output relied on a large pool of cheap or free labour. And the proportion of workers engaged in um, manufacturers had grown by 159% between 1939 and 41, um, and this means by the time that Speer actually came to office, um, there were few uh, actual workers that still needed to be um, rounded up and shipped from Western and Eastern Europe. They were already there. Um, it simply meant that they needed to be managed in Speer's eyes in a more efficient manner. The Nazi leader who was tasked with the job of uh, creating uh, a large employment workforce was uh, Fritz Sauckel, who uh, became, in March 1942, the General Plenipotentiary for Labour Mobilisation, and he was um, a subordinate, a direct subordinate of Hitler's. This placed him within the inner circle of the regime. Um, he was a quite a different character from Albert Speer, Albert Speer was a very educated, urbane and um, skillful political operator. Sokol was a rough, working class, direct and brutal um, Nazi figure who um, divided his interests between supplying a labour force and ensuring that the Slavs amongst it particularly were treated as brutally as possible. Again, this shows how racial ideology triumphs over pragmatism, as is so often the case in Nazi Germany, that the people you actually want to do the work for you are the ones that you uh, beat up and starve and batter and brutalise, thus making their effectiveness as labourers uh, pretty minimal. And as I've often argued in this podcast, it is the kind of countervailing tendencies within Nazism um, that really are its downfall. No ideology can really um, constrain such contradictions and more destructive, self-destructive aspects of Nazism eventually by 1945 have won out. By 1942 there were um, over a million Poles in Germany. Um, the Poles obviously considered to be racially inferior um, had been designated as agricultural labour 
Uh, many were coerced into coming to Germany. Uh, others uh, came uh, because of the sheer des destitution and poverty in Poland, um, uh, in large part caused by the Nazi invasion. There were a large number of prisoners of war as well. Um, there were 1.2 million prisoners of war and foreign civilians in Germany in May 1940, and 60% of these worked as farm labourers. Um, there were 700,000 Poles working on the land. Um, they were, uh, there was an attempt initially to force them down the mines, but the, uh, the poor health that many of the, uh, the Poles were in uh, meant that this was uh, largely counterproductive and they didn't, they simply lacked due to malnutrition the physical strength to do the work. And French and British soldiers who were taken prisoner uh, during uh, 1940 as the uh, Wehrmacht raced across France were often drafted into the munitions industry. However, these prisoners were invariably treated significantly better than their counterparts from the East. This huge influx of, firstly, um, unskilled agricultural labour, mainly from Poland, prisoners of war set to work, and then skilled labourers, 300,000 um, coming from Western Europe, 270,000 from Italy, 80,000 from Slovakia, 35,000 from Hungary, caused a, a huge um, transition in the nature and makeup of uh, German towns and cities, uh, a, a nation that had throughout the 1930s attempted to pride itself on some kind of racial purity, actually in the most oppressive way imaginable became highly cosmopolitan and at the end of the war there are huge anxieties about what these angry, hungry, oppressed and vengeful uh, foreign workers in who in some towns outnumber the indigenous German people uh, several times over. There's a huge anxiety about what they're going to do now that the army, the SS, the Gestapo and other means of coercing them are gone. Now if you read Keith Lowe's brilliant book Savage Continent, um, one of the best things I've read on the subject of um, the guest workers or Gastarbeiter um, in Germany he goes to great lengths to explain what that explosion of resentment, anger and violence was like for ordinary Germans at the end of the war. It doesn't make for a particularly pretty reading, uh, but it's really, really well worth looking up that book. The foreign workers uh, often seem to confirm the prejudices of um, German employers and uh, German citizens. Uh, they uh, often appear to be uh, rowdy with uh, a drunken uh, sing-alongs in the barracks in the evenings. Um, they uh, didn't appear to be particularly good workers. And it's hardly surprising as uh, wages were kept artificially low and the um, workers who had come voluntarily to Germany, uh, particularly from allied countries such as Italy and Hungary, uh, believing that their depressed living standards there could be um, alleviated by moving to a, a, a semi-economic powerhouse, um, were generally quite disappointed and realised that no matter how hard they worked, 
there would be little money to, in terms of remittance to send back uh, to their home countries. And once uh, a foreign worker became bored with the work, tired of the work, or unfulfilled financially, um, packing up and going home wasn't really quite as simple as that. The vast ocean of labour that Operation Barbarossa presented to the Third Reich came in the guise of Red Army prisoners of war. Um, these were soldiers who could be used um, in huge, huge quantities uh, for the most menial and dangerous of tasks. Uh, mine work particularly um, was a, a possibility. And their uh, unskilled labour and meant that um, skilled German workers could be redeployed. However, the fact that the uh, war in the Soviet Union wasn't a fait accompli, as Hitler had hoped for, uh, meant that the German war economy needed to absorb vast amounts of Russian labour anyway in order to produce the levels of uh, foodstuffs, equipment, munitions, fuel and everything else to keep the Wehrmacht uh, on the march in Russia. The um, appalling cruelty meted out to Red Army soldiers, mainly via starvation, uh, huge numbers of them were simply uh, put around in kind of corralled uh, by barbed wire in fields in Russia and left to starve. That meant that of the 3,350,000 Red Army troops who had been captured by the end of 19, by the end of March 1942, only 5% of those were um, useful for any kind of war work at all. So uh, again, the uh, slave labour ambitions of Nazi Germany were hamstrung by uh, erratic and contradictory policies. In the Eastern Territories in general, in Poland, Ukraine, the Baltic states, uh, the uh, Nazi regime used a kind of various variety of sticks and carrots. They um, used uh, inducements, they uh, went to um, Eastern uh, Territories to a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I convince young people that uh, traveling to the Reich to work would be beneficial for them, but they also arrested 
uh, able-bodied men and women that they uh, lay, that could lay their hands on in the countryside. Um, by November 1942, Sarkol believed that he himself had uh, managed to round up over a, a million and a half um, foreign workers and had brought the total figure to 5.75 million. Um, they were um, workers from, particularly workers in the West, were in Germany on six-month contracts, and um, many had been actually had to be sent home as being unfit for labour. So that the real figure of effective workers, uh, additional effective workers, was at about 4.65 million. But if you imagine between 1941 and 1944, uh, the German army lost something like about 60,000 men each month on the Eastern Front. Um, and they also lost others uh, in terms of um, disease and uh, invaliding. So that 60,000 figure isn't just, um, killed, isn't just killed and wounded, it's killed alone. And there are desperate manpower shortages in the army by 1942, meaning that the um, level of the age of conscription has dropped in 1942, which means obviously that uh, more and younger civilian workers wind up on the Eastern Front and not working in munitions factories in Germany. All sorts of deals had to be done. Um, Hitler met with Pierre Laval of the Vichy regime uh, and agreed that 50,000 French prisoners of war could be sent home. That was 50,000 French mouths that did not have to be um, fed. Uh, in return for 150,000 skilled French labourers who didn't have much um, say in the matter as they were sent under a policy of uh, compulsory work service. And this 150,000 were sent with another quarter of a million workers, um, the 150,000 being the skilled ones, and the, hundred, the other two quarter of a million being unskilled labour. Um, by December 1943, there were 666,000 French workers in Germany, 223,000 Belgians, and 274,000 Dutch. And by the uh, end of the war, a quarter of the entire workforce in Germany uh, was comprised of foreign European citizens which is a, a staggering statistic, really, and few economies have really been transformed in such a way in such a short period of time. But as previously mentioned, it meant that the whole shape of Germany, um, the whole sort of social landscape of Germany during the war dramatically altered. There were uh, camps set up all across Germany, um, not anything as uh, monstrous as any of the concentration camps or the death camps that existed um, in the occupied territories. But um, certainly uh, camps where um, the movement of labourers was restricted and uh, monitored and governed. Um, there were, um, in Munich, for example, 120 POW camps were uh, existed, um, and 286 camps and hostels for civilian workers. Um, and this meant that there were 80,000 uh, available uh, foreign workers uh, in Munich alone. 
voluntary foreign workers who had come to Germany uh, on the uh, in the belief that they uh, might be uh, paid reasonably well would very often work side by side with prisoners or POWs or see them uh, in different um, work environments nearby uh, be able to perhaps look across the road from the factory uh, and see Russian POWs digging ditches. To give you an indication of how much of Germany's war machine required uh, foreign labour, the uh, Krupp steelworks in Essen, for example, uh, ran on 40% of its workforce being um, foreign um, and um, non-voluntary for the most part. Krupp officials made sure that they had the ear of the regime uh, and constantly demanded ever greater levels of uh, skilled workers. And the uh, suspicion that the Nazis eventually have is that they would rather have um, skilled foreign workers um, in a place of uh, more poorly trained uh, German workers um, who are less experienced. This was probably was the case, as uh, capital is pretty colourblind on these kinds of issues, um, and as the war, um, as the the war dragged on, it became more and more essential that to get uh, skilled workers in place. The conditions in which workers lived depended really on their origins, uh, prisoners of war. Uh, British and French prisoners of war particularly, who were reasonably well housed um, and the, the work they did um, was uh, not what one would consider to be um, life-threatening for the most part, though uh, there were accounts of British soldiers sent to the Auschwitz-Monowitz um, site uh, where they were subjected to slave labour. The um, the Russian prisoners of war, however, uh, had to live in particularly um, dismal barracks with uh, poor sanitation, um, no bed linen or uh, anything else to make their lives in any way bearable. And obviously the result of that is invariably uh, disease. And as the um, managers at Krupp quickly noticed, the Soviets were um, starving um, and unable to carry out any kind of meaningful labour as a result. There was an immense amount of uh, corruption on the part of camp guards who siphoned off resources, selling them on the black market, or who hired out uh, workers for their own purposes and pocketed the money uh, that they made for them. Obviously, labour is an immensely valuable resource, and therefore, if you have a supply of it, it's a way of making money. And also, uh, being able to extract um, money from the workers themselves by uh, controlling the passes for leave and any other perks and privileges was a great way of extracting monies from them. And there was also in the uh, work camps a uh, flourishing uh, trade in prostitutes. And across Germany, a chain of brothels uh, emerged in order to service the foreign workers. Um, 
but obviously German soldiers used them too. But many of these vices were available only to workers from Western Europe. The Poles and the Soviet prisoners were deliberately brutally treated and the German working class was encouraged to uh, treat them um, brutally as well. And there was a particular reason for this. It was important in the eyes of the regime that the working class in Germany saw itself as racially superior to the Poles and racially superior to the Russians, so that there could be none of this much-feared notion of solidarity emerging. Um, the uh, Nazis and their abject terror of Bolshevism, believing it to be some kind of cruel Jewish trick, thought that workers in Germany, if they felt any kind of sympathy towards the Russians, might view themselves as having solidarity with them and might view themselves as having some kind of common cause. And it's actually not a wildly irrational fear on the part of the Nazis um, of wondering what might happen if a large number of foreign workers on German soil began to interact with Germans in a particular way. Because the sheer number of um, foreign nationals on German soil uh, was so distorting, the Nazis managed to prevent there being the kind of solidarity they fear. But as the regime starts to break down in 1945, and as prisoners find it, and workers uh, find it more and more easy to um, wander around, they have all sorts of interesting interactions with ordinary Germans, uh, so much so that some actually um, form um, criminal syndicates with uh, their German contemporaries and even in some instances take on the Gestapo in the odd shootout. However, it was the, the poor productivity of Soviet workers, half-starved, suffering from things like tuberculosis and, and uh, typhus, um, that encouraged Speer eventually, well, employers to go to Speer and Speer to go to Hitler and say, listen, basically in um, March 1942, um, he told Hitler that something had to be done about the conditions of Russian workers. And, and Hitler, it, at the height of his... Um, racial uh, racial thinking even then said well yes I I agree they should the Russian workers should be treated better in order that they continue to work for the Reich now we shouldn't assume any sentimentality on Hitler's part here this was pure pragmatism um, in order to make sure that essential in his view war work was done however um, the SS could not really countenance uh, fair treatment or in any way kind of uh, rational or compassionate treatment towards the Russians uh, and actually um, went on a rampage of violence against Russian workers from 1942 onwards, primarily because they viewed the large number of Soviet citizens on uh, German soil as a security threat. One reason why they were seen as a security threat was the tendency uh, in some Germans, a natural tendency, to treat them with kindness and compassion. Uh, it was a tendency that had not been uh, fully eradicated from Germany by the Nazis. And the, the number of denunciations that exist for people who give a crust of bread to a Polish worker or um, a glass of cold water 
to a thirsty uh, Soviet labourer um, and result in having not necessarily time in a prison cell, but certainly a good talking to from the Gestapo is significant. Anyway, I'm going to leave that here, and I hope you've enjoyed that. Please, if you find this useful and interesting, go to our iTunes page, Explaining History, look us up, and give us a, a good review. Five stars if you can, and some nice words. Anyway, thanks very much, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.